0: Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Uh, do this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter Three, and uh, welcome all those online folks that are that are tuned in and uh, and, and and listen to us via podcast. Uh, our Carl Media guy was letting us uh, let me look through some of the statistic analytics. I mean, people are listening and getting God's word in them all around the world. I mean, nations around the world. It's just amazing what God can do, and so I'm thankful to see the technology redeemed. Heard incredible testimony. Uh, This past week, of someone who wasn't here was at work but was streaming live and what the Spirit of God was doing in here, uh, he was doing in in their heart and in their truck at work. And so that's what it's about, man, redeeming technology, use it for God's glory. How many knows it's used enough for the enemy? Come on, and so uh, we even have some other things we'd like to do in, in, in the future, and uh, so just start praying and, and asking God that we'll take the technology, take the gifts, and take the availability of things and, and use it for His glory. So uh, let's do this. Romans 3, starting at verse 20. Starting at verse 20, it says this. It says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. This kind of goes right along with what Pastor Joss was saying just a few moments ago. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And I'm going to turn the page to verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen. Well, there's going to be some big words today, but man, it has some big meaning today, and I hope it'll change your life. So those are some big words. It ain't that I'm that good. Just there's some stuff out here I think we, want, we need to learn today. So uh, as we do this, let's do this. Just pray one more time. Let's talk to him and just ask him to have his way. God, thank you for what you're doing. God, we celebrate the lives that were changed this week. God, we just celebrate with what's going on in heaven, God, I'm rejoicing over those who've come to know you. God, today, if there's some that may be in this room that aren't in a walk, in a relationship with you, God, let this be the day. Lord, your word said today is the day of salvation. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who made everything possible, who's a picture of grace. God, who we thank you today, Father, for setting us free. And Lord, we just give you glory, we give you honor and praise for all that you're doing all that you're going to do, God. Help the limitations be taken off today. Help, them, help every hindrance today be removed out of this room. and Let our hearts be open. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. One more time, just do this. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just, just thank him for just something right now. Just thank for something. We're in this series right now called If Not for Grace. If not for grace, each of us in this room, and we've been sharing some of these different people have been sharing some of those if not for grace stories. And, and each of us in this room have a story. And, and, are, and, and each of us today are breathing because of the grace of God. And, and each of us right now in this room have something that maybe they might be dealing with. God's grace will carry you through it. God's grace will set you free from it. And today, if it's not for grace, man, I have no idea where I would be. So Father, we just thank you for grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. and give you praise for it right now. Amen. Amen. Uh, we've been looking over the last few weeks and we kicked off a series called If Not for Grace. And um, it's just been fun. I've just been having a great time and we've been seeing that we continually just need the grace of God. We must have the grace of God working in our life. We looked at week one where we see where our misery met his mercy. And we see where we were changed when we come in contact with the living Savior, Jesus. And and we encounter him in a real way. We look at uh, at the second week that grace for us is a gift. Amen. It is a gift. It is by grace through faith that we're saved, not of yourself. You can't work and earn this thing. It is a grace thing that God gives to you. So today, I hope this just frees you up a little bit as we kind of go into this third portion of uh, this series today. And we look at that today we've been freed by grace. We have been freed. Uh, Every person in this room today does not need to be bound to anything other than Christ. We can just be, should be linked up, chained up to him, our Savior, and in no other way should we bound to anything. So today, if you're struggling in any area, as, as, as we were learning just a few minutes ago about how that flesh will come in, and today we're going to learn that we've been set free by grace, by because of what Jesus did for us. He said that he came and he fulfilled and was full of grace and full of truth, amen? So, so today I'm going to go ahead and ask this question before we jump into this. Have you ever messed up? I and mean, anyway, raise your hand if you've messed up. Uh, if um, <clears throat> today, if your hand's not raised, we're going to go ahead and do this. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a moment, and we're going to go ahead and just excuse all of those who uh, don't need this word today. And uh, because, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're good. Everything's good. So if you haven't messed up, everything's good, you, you can go ahead and today be excused because I want to talk to some real people today. All right? I want to talk to some people today who need this. Now, I barely slid into this thing. Today. I barely got to stay today, and I was looking, I was praying, and I, was like, and I remember there was that one time that I'm, 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 met, no, I'm just kidding. Now, there's been many times that, that, that I, that I need to be reminded that I need to hear this. Uh, so today, uh, we, we have to see this, but there have a lot of folks, because of their mess ups, because of their failures, They begin to take on the behavior and look at, and then they do this. They take and allow their behavior to control their identity. And and this is what we should do. We should let our identity control our behavior. And we should begin to understand and see what God has done for us. and, And because of Jesus, he has declared us. The scripture says, and we see this in the scripture today, that he justified us. Okay, now these again. I'm gonna throw a few big words out here today, and I'm gonna try not to butcher them too bad. But but he has justified us. If you just break it down simply, it means this: it means we've been freed. He, we have been freed by grace. The scripture says this: that we, he has justified us by grace, and and by definition, it means this: it means to be declared righteous. To be freed, it means to show, exhibit, one to be righteous, such as he is, and this is what's interesting, such as he is, and even better is this, and wishes himself to be considered, or such as he ought to be. All right, so let this kind of just get in this for a second, this is big. We have been justified by grace. We have been declared righteous. This means this. This is how God views us and looks at us. It's how we would like for him to see us. Have you ever done this? Ha- have you ever um, maybe uh, been at some type? maybe it was a, rec- a recording of some sort of your singing? And and you you was doing this. You was singing. You was bringing it, man, in your ears. You thought this was awesome. Okay? I mean, you yeah. I mean, vibrato. I mean, you was bringing, you was singing, man. It was awesome. And then something happened. Somebody played it for you. <laughs> and and you, you Twitch starts twitch start twitching a little bit, and just you 're getting nervous, or, or maybe you looked in the mirror and you thought you saw something that was okay that day, and then and then somehow, down the line, somebody took a picture of you and it appeared on Facebook somehow, and then what happened was they took the Facebook picture while you wasn 't sucking in and and, and holding everything. In place and 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 then so and then the real you was seen. And then you was like, untag me off of Facebook, but get that picture off my, my page. I don't want that to be seen. You was like, I didn't know I had all that stuff, I didn't it didn't show up in the mirror like that. But somehow you wanted to be seen a certain way, but this was how you really were. Somehow in your voice you heard the, the song being sung and then you were singing with it. And have you ever done it like we'd be with the headphones on? So you just, you're going to town and all of a sudden one of them falls out. You know, one of the earbuds falls out and then you hear it. And then it just kind of scares you. But it is how you want it to be and the reality of it are two different things. I think a lot of times in our spiritual walk we want things to be a certain way. And we try to do things certain ways. But if we see this, he says that we've been freed by his grace. And so this is what begins to happen for us. We literally, because of what Jesus did, because of his grace, he sees us as we ought to be seen. He sees us as we should be seen. He sees us how we want to be seen. So today, some of you, man, you've had failures in your life. You've had struggles, you've had mistakes, things have come to you, things have happened in your life, but you've been declared righteous, you've been justified by grace, and that gives you right standing, the right to stand before a holy God. Come on, that is a good place to give God glory. That gives you the right to stand before a holy God, not if you put in 80 hours for VBS. Now, if you put inVbit, God bless you man. I'm telling you,, that, is, I mean, you guys are incredible, but still, none of those things that we can do, those things that we should do. Amen. When the bag came by you a few moments ago, not if you put a big check in, does that make you righteous? You should because he's good. But because of what Jesus did, we have been freed by grace. And so we've been been set free and delivered by that. So today, regardless of your past failures, regardless of what's happened in your life, regardless of whatever is going on in your life, you've been justified. And then he goes on to say this in verse 25, that he is the propitiation. Now, again, I'm going to throw some big stuff today, but this is so big. Sometimes we read over it, and we miss it sometimes. But he is the propitiation of us. He is the propitiation, and it was by his blood. Now, this big word can just be kind of simply broken down in in this way. It can mean the mercy seat. Okay, I, I was going to try to go into to using some, some big Greek and Hebrew, but I didn't really know much, so I figured I probably shouldn't, shouldn't do that. So I, I want to do this. I wanted to go to Scripture. So, so do this real quick. Flip over to Hebrews 9. Flip over to Hebrews 9, if you have your Bible. And we're going we're gonna to hit something here, and then we're going to look at somebody in the Old Testament. A bit. This is cool. It is, just, it is just so cool. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. This explains, I, I want you to see how big this is today. This, this will change your life. This, will, this th- alone will change your life. Hebrews 9, uh, start at verse 2. It says this, it says, For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Now, you got to understand that they didn't have the building back then during this time. They didn't already have the temple built, and they would set up a tabernacle. They would set up a place of worship. And uh, it was, it was kind of like what we used to do in the first few years of our ministry. We, we met in a movie theater, and we would set up a place of worship. We would take a movie theater that, you know, the, you know, some of these movies that, you know, shouldn't be shown or whatever, but then we would go in and turn it into a place of worship. They would take this place, and they would set up a temple or a tabernacle where the Holy Spirit could come and where God can move, and verse 3 says this, Behind the second veil... The part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Verse 4, that which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Now, this is kind of where this thing begins to fall. This is that propitiation, the mercy seat that was there. Of these things we cannot speak of in detail. That's what it again, God's so big. His glory is so powerful, His grace is so huge, we can't grasp it. And I love that he even just says it there. We can't even speak in detail how awesome this is. Verse 6, that now when these things have been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. Now, this is how this worked, and I'm thankful today that we're all part of the family. But there used to be a priest that would have to go in to this holy place. Once a year, he would be allowed to come in behind the veil, and they would bring this blood of this sacrificial lamb, and they would bring it before and would place it upon the mercy seat. Now, this is is amazing what happens here. And it says, verse 7, "...but into the second part the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance." He says the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service, the service perfect in regard to the conscious. Now, listen, this a big stuff today, but try to get it. Verse 10, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washes and fleshly ordinances imposed into the time of reformation. There's so much going on right here. We can't grasp this. I mean, we, it's just so it's, it's so hard. All the stuff they had to go through, all the symbolism, all the all the ceremony, all the ritual, everything that had to be just perfect that once a year they would be able to go in and, again, lay that blood on the mercy seat, that propitiation. Now, listen, the Scripture's getting ready to see that Jesus did this for us. Verse 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things. All right. Now, again, that person that would go in to that tabernacle, that person that would go in and represent you, Okay, represent your your kinfolk from way back, your your great great greats from the back in the day. That bloodline, way back in the day, they would go in. That priest would represent them, and then he would go in and offer up the sacrifice for the sin that they had done. Now, listen, what happens here? But Christ came and, as the high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own. Own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having ordained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, who cleans your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, and for the redemption of the transgressions into the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. That's a lot. That's a lot. But listen to what this means. That means this: He became the high priest for us. Now look at what all, look at all what all happened here. This picture that is unfolded. He became the offerer and the offering. And then he's the one who turned around and received up the offering that he just laid out. So in every way for us, he became the mercy seat. He became the propitiation. He took our place. He made it available for us to be free today because of his grace, because of what Jesus did. So when we sing songs like Amazing Grace... How sweet to sound. When you get up and you tweet your message and hashtag it, if not for grace, and you put those things out there, remember it is what Jesus made available for you. And he did these things. And we see this happen in Scripture. Throughout God's word, we see incredible stories. We see some stuff that is just just, just mind-blowing sometimes. They didn't get there by themselves. They didn't get there, and they didn't get written about because they're awesome and they're good. If anybody's sitting beside you today and they were able to worship the Lord and lift their hands and and whatever thing, if you see somebody who's walking out their faith, living for Christ, doing this thing for Jesus, walking it out, becoming a disciple, walking out their relationship with God, seeing it grow, changing the world, it didn't happen by themselves. It is because of the grace of God, it is because of the love of Jesus that each of us in this room can be free to walk out the plan, the purpose of God that he has for our life. So more than ever before, we got to see this, that he took our place. He came in and became this for us because we had to have him. And it's just, it just amazing to me sometimes that the Lord lets me do this. He lets me be the pastor of this church and, and, wor- and just worship with you great guys and, and, and lead you guys and get up and share time because it's only by his grace. And we see, guys, in the Scriptures that as I begin to study about grace, it just kind of it kind of tripped me out a little bit, just to be honest. So some stuff that we're getting ready to go into in just a few moments. There's been some times in my life that, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, kind of mess with me some as I would read Scripture because some of the things that I would hear God say in Scripture and some of the things that I would read in Scripture myself. And you're like, hold on, where are, you going, where are you going with this thing? I, I want you to do this. So uh, get, turn your Bible to 2 Samuel. Chapter 11. As you turn, I, wanna, I just want to read something to you. Just track with me for just a second as we do this. There are guys in Scripture who, who again, we talk about that God has did these incredible things in their life. And, it, and it's just simply amazing by, by some of the stuff that we read about them. One of those guys is David. Now, now David is a... Um, Know, David, just, it just kind of amazes me, some of the stuff that, that David did, uh, some of the things that <clears throat> he went through. And then especially knowing because the story was out here, they laid it all out there for us, and we know everything he did, but some of the things that God still said about him. Uh, just for example, you see when I'm in 1 Kings. You don't turn there. Just keep tracking 2 Samuel. But in 1 Kings, you see this. In chapter 14, verse 7 and 8, it'll be on the screen. It says this. The prophet was speaking about David. He was saying these things. God was speaking. It would be like this. It would be God speaking about you on your behalf. This would be what God would say. And God said these things about this guy named David. He said, go through the prophet. He said, go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. So he's a little bit upset about what, what was going on here through this rain. And then he says this. He makes this statement that just kind of like, hold on, I, hold on God, I, I know the story. How can you say this? He, he goes on to say this. He says, he tore away from the house of David, gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart to do only what was right in my eyes. Hold on. Now, it, is, is God a little, is, he, is he schizo? Is something going on? Is he is he what, what? Because they put the story in here. We read about who went who went to, to, to like you know Wednesday night Bible study or Sunday school. One of those like growing up, you got discipled and taught as a little kid. If you went to church as a little kid and got taught Bible study, hand, right? Okay, <clears throat> all right. Now in there, you probably heard about David. Okay, you, probably the most important thing you heard about David that people use a lot is that he, he you know, defeated the giant and all that kind of stuff like that. But if, if you had one of those teachers that would really get in with a flannel graph and, and put David up on the, on the, on the little board and, and would really break it down and go deep in there, you learn some stuff about David. You learn some stuff about David. You you saw, and if you read Scripture for yourself, you see some things about David that when I read them, sometimes it cringes. If if today, like some of the amazing stories we've heard, if David was here today, he would have an an if-not-for-grace story. He, if he would get up here and begin to tell you and begin to say things to you that he did and you and your mouth would be dropping open, and you'd be like, dude, I thought I was bad. And, and then I start hearing what this guy did and you're saying, okay, maybe there is hope for us. Maybe I can make it in. Maybe I can get there. I think even more so why God shows here what he did. So 2 Samuel verse chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. You okay studying God's word? You all right with that? 2 Samuel chapter 11. Just... One of the four instances in the Bible of David, okay? There's others, several. But just one of the four instances that you may have seen on the flannel graph that, that we see, Second Samuel uh, chapter 11, that we see that David did. It, verse 1, it said, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to the battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged uh, Reba, but David remained at Jerusalem. So there's, uh, right off the bat, we see here in Scripture that um, s- some things were not right. Because verse 1 says that it was the spring of the year when the kings go out to battle. David should have had his honey out on the battlefield uh, doing what he was called to do. But for some reason, Scripture here we see is that David remained at Jerusalem. Okay, so first of all, we see the guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, he's king. He's supposed to be in Jerusalem. He's, no, he was supposed to be out with the other kings doing what God's called him to do. If you're a king today, God's made you a king's kid. You're supposed to be out serving. You're supposed to be out working. He's called things and purposed things in your heart to do. But he remained at Jerusalem. In verse 2, it just lays it out. Then it happened. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Sorry, joke. <joking. Do, laughs> It's it sh- supposed to be out, battlefield, in Jerusalem. Then it happened. Yeah, ha- there. Then it happened. One evening that David arose from his bed. Listen, I'm going give just insert real quick. Uh, kids, listen to parents. If they tell you where to be, what to do, in the wrong place, wrong time, it uses some trouble happens with that. So parents, can I get a witness? It was free. All oh, that was good. That was just free today. Just, you know... I'll be here, or Keith say, I'll be here all week. Um, so uh, then it happened one evening. David arose from his bed, walked to the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. There's, I, there's, there's, I've even heard this taught, and I used to kind of teach it this way, that he was just out kind of, you know, hanging out. And then, bam, and he saw her. And, and it was, you no, know, he had this stuff laid out already because this was custom. They would take the water up on top of the roof because they didn't have running hot water like we did and they would allow it to heat throughout the day and in the evening after the water was warmed up, they would go bathe. He went up there for a reason. He went up there with every intention to be looking out, hoping to see what was going on. And this is one of his friends. This is one of the guys who, who, whose, whose wife, who was, who was there bathing, it was one of the guys who served him faithfully and, and, and did a lot for him. But yet he goes out, and then he sees this, and behold, and it said in verse 3 that David sent and inquired about the woman. Just kept on going, man, digger and deeper. Kept digging the hole, man. And then someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she was returned to her house. So you see this happening. You see the story unfolding. You see him in the wrong place, wrong time, putting himself in a position because of that, something being placed in front of him. Then you got his buddies up there trying to say, dude, don't you know who that is? That is Soa, so that's, that's Bathsheba. That's, that's Uriah the Hittite. That's his, that's his wife. Are you sure you want to do this? He sends the messengers out anyway, comes in, they, they, they do their thing. Verse 5, and the woman conceived and so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. So um this, this story just it, it went south quick. But there was hold on a God speaking about. Man, my man David did everything right. Uh you don't rule like like my servant David who does all these things right not only did he do all this, listen to what happened he goes, then sends for, he tries to take somebody else off their game the Uriah the Hittite was where he was supposed to be out there battling within the field doing his thing, David sends to him brings him back into town to do this, he wants him and your you know, Bathsheba his wife to spend a little time together and, and this is what hopefully will happen is that, that she'll somehow be able to convince everybody that he kind of looks like David, don't he? He got David's eyes. No, no, he's trying to do he's trying to do everything he can to cover it up. But listen to me. Listen, this is what's a trip. Your said, I, I, I can't do that. My men are out on the battlefield. I'm not gonna be here enjoying spending time with, with, with my wife when they're out there. So he does this. He goes deeper. He takes Uh, uriah he goes gets him drunk and he wants to send him out and send him back in to spend time with his wife somehow to try to cover up what he did it was like a cycle he just kept digging deeper and deeper he kept doing this but wait a minute my god spoke so highly of david then he does this. He goes and it gets worse. If not for a great story, it keeps getting deeper and deeper. Then he does this. He says, all right, if, if this is going to play out this way, he's not going to obey. He's not going to kind of work with me here. I'm trying to, trying to help you out, brother. And If you're not going to work with me, then he does this. He takes him, sends him out to the battle yet again. He tells the officers there, put him on the front line. And then when he gets out on the front line, if you've ever read, man, some, some of this, or studied some of the warfare that took place, it was amazing how these guys war, war, warfareed and, and did this thing. They went out, put him in the place, and he said this, once he gets out there, then bring all of his surrounding, all of his backup, bring them back and leave him out there by himself. So he's already, already got with his wife, got her pregnant, tried to do all these things to cover it up, then sends the guy out into the battlefield, then does this, gets him knocked off. Kills him, murders him, takes him out. But wait a minute. This is my servant, David, who did all of these things right in I? And it, as I read Scripture, I, I'm like, hold on. Something, it just... Don't don't make sense here kind of what's going on. And then you see things like in verse 27. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Now, is there contradictions in the Scripture? I don't think so. infallible word of God. It is is him came, became flesh, the word of God. There's nothing in there that's kind of messed up. So what happened? How did this happen? He displeased the Lord in verse 27. We see all the stuff that he had done. We read all these things that took place. Just amazing how the story goes. He did all this stuff and then again, she gets pregnant. She has the baby and then something happens and it has never, I've never heard it preached. I've, I've never even read it this way And until I read it during the study. I feel like God just kind of showed me something. She has a baby. And then he does this. David begins to pray and fast that the baby is going to be okay. All right. Now, I know in our our mindset today, how we think and how we see a little one, it's sometimes hard for us to understand what, what happens in this story here because Again, in our American mindset, and again, because we believe in life and we see Scripture and we, we believe the children, we were talking about it before service, that God, children are God's greatest gifts to us. Something happens in the story. It says that David was doing this. David was praying that this child would live, praying this child would make it. He was doing all this stuff, but the baby dies. And again, for me, it was a lot of time reading it in my mind said, Western mindset, reading this stuff, sometimes I'm like, man, the baby had nothing to do with this. Baby had nothing to do with this, but I believe God was trying to show him something. I believe he was trying to let him see something here when this took place because David gets confronted. We we see here in the scriptures in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Um, go 13 real quick. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. I Hope you can get this, Tim. It says that, that God sent a prophet to David. This guy's name was Nathan. Nathan came to David and he speaks and begins to tell him the story. He tells him this story about someone who basically did what David has done and, and shared the story using a parable. David heard what this guy did in this story, got ticked off, said he got the guy should be killed for all that he'd done. And I agree. I agree. I, he starts hearing all this stuff, man, he had, was the king, he had all this stuff, he had all this provision, and then he's going to take one from somebody else and then use it for his own. David's messed up, David's ticked off, he's frustrated, he's like, man, go get him, we'll take care of this, and then something happens. Nathan looks at David and says, you are that guy. Okay, now now this is where I think it it begins to happen. This is where I believe that we can read things about David and hear what God has said about him and the things that were spoken because of what happened here. David understood that he was pretty much, this is not in the Greek, but he was an idiot. Okay? (laughs) Okay. All right, he was a joke. I mean, he, he realized that there, there was no good in him, that no matter what, yeah, you were king, all this stuff, but you were a failure. You've made these mistakes. You tried to cover up and do all this stuff, and then the truth got revealed to you. Then it gets interesting. He realizes this. He realizes his failure. He realized what took place. And in verse 13 of chapter 12, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, and you shall not die. That's grace. That's grace. Because here's the truth. Each of us today, we may not have done all those things. We may not, hopefully we haven't done all those things. man. I mean, uh, but, but each of us, we've failed. We've messed it up. We've sinned, whether it was last year, years ago, or yesterday. Each of us today had to have someone get on that mercy seat and lay in our place, take our place. And Jesus did this for us. He became the the propitiation. He freed us. He became this, this literally for us, our sacrifice. I believe he grabs hold of all this when he's seen the Spirit of God because look at what David said in Psalm 103, verse 10. He says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Verse 12, man, one of my favorite verses. And I'm so thankful for it. He says, as far as the east from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Wow. Hold on, man. Terry, you don't know. I did. It was, it was, it was ugly. It, it was crazy. They could write a book about my life. There are things that have happened. There's things that have went down. Listen to me. If today you have seen this, that Christ took your place the grace of God has come upon your life. He never again. The Bible says this. He took it so far, cast it from the east to the west, and no more can he grasp hold of these things because here's the truth. And I'm thankful they kept it in there. I'm thankful they kept all the story in there because we could see it. Because if we just read the good stuff, we would say we can never measure up. If we just read all the stuff, man, that oh he was this great guy, he did all these things. He no, listen to me. He took our place. Who loves now? Who loves their kids? If you have, if you're, if you're a parent, and you have kids. Raise your hand. Okay, okay, cool. A lot of us do. Some don't. But if if you have a nephew, a niece, um, or whoever it is, you have you 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 have cousins, whatever it is. Who you, but they're, your kid. Now this is what's a trip. When they're your kid. Now they're the best. not when they're getting on your nerves and, um, and you, you know, you, you, you kind of like just reaching the back seat, hoping to connect, (laughs) you know, you just hope to reach, you know, just hopefully you get them. You know, don't lie. Y'all bunch of self-righteous, man. Y'all know y'all done that. You, you, you know it, but, but they get on your nerves. You, they, they, you just, you want to, you bend them over the knee. You do this kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, that's your kid. And I've seen some of y'all. I've seen I've seen I've seen some of y'all. Y'all get crazy. I mean, sometimes over your kids and and if they go out and they're on the field, man, they're the best. I mean, they throw better than anybody else. They run better, they sing better, they dance better. They are the it don't matter. Dead of best. And, and, and I've seen some of you, man. I, you know, I, I do some get out and hunt different things. And I like outdoors. And I, I've seen geese, mama geese do this. I've seen mama geese when you come near their baby, they kind of bring the wings up and they start doing their neck and they start hissing and they start doing it. I've seen that in some of y'all. I wish somebody took a picture of that face, but I've seen it. I've seen some of that. And some of y'all, I mean, your kid was better than everybody else. There's only one, listen, that can say that. and It was God the Father. And I'm thankful. Now, listen, this this is so cool. I'm thankful. And this is what the mercy seat is. This is what the propitiation is. Because when God would look down, that would be what he would see. He didn't see all the other things that represented all the other stuff. He would see what was laid across the top. And, and, and this today is how, if you're a Christian, God sees you. now, I done this. I got this. Yeah, listen to me. He looks down from heaven. He sees his son. This is what grace will do. Grace will take you from a sinner to a son. It, it it brings you in and makes you a part of the family. And 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 I'm so glad it's Pastor Josh didn't hear to go back to help the kids. That he's still here, man. Thank you for sharing what you shared a little bit earlier about how the flesh. <laughs> Is so jacked up sometimes, and, and that's when we got to take that out and just wear it out sometime and, 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 and submit it to the Lord, crucify that stuff. But he sees us when he looks down from heaven. If you've been brought under the mercy seat, he sees Jesus. And here is this, he is the mediator. He's the mediator. He is the one who represents us because here's the truth. I've seen this. The people, man, we, we don't know sometimes what to say, what to do. We don't work things out real well all the time, but he paid the price for us. So if you're dealing with sin today, if you're dealing with shame today, if you're dealing with all that stuff today, I want you to do this. I want you today to see that the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, covers every bit of it. We have all, we've, we've all dropped the ball. Thankfully, nobody left earlier when I was going to excuse those who were perfect because we all need this today. We all, whether we've been saved, you know, 30 years, 30 minutes, or we're about to come to Him today, I want you to see that you'll only be able to walk out the relationship God has for you by God's grace. You're only freed by his grace. You're only freed. You, you can earn it. Now, here's what happens. When you get free... It's just crazy, man, what you do when you're free, man. Free people do some some crazy stuff because it feels good to be free. It is is so incredible what God can do in your life, but only by God's grace are we free. I want to close with this. Romans chapter 3, our text for today. I want to read the last few verses in the Message Bible, and it'll be on the screen. I want you to look at this today. Romans 3, 23 through 26 in the message says this, and it's just so simple. It's a paraphrase of Scripture written in terminology that we can know and understand. It says this. It says, Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we were utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us, God did it for us. Oh, man. Praise you, Lord. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing. There it is. With himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we were in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. There's that word. And he did it by the means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he has so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. That is a... What a man, Eugene Peter, I think he just, that was divine revelation. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. If today you're thankful for the grace of God, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you right now to the best of your ability. I want you to give him the best praise offering you know how to give right now. No praise team singing. Nobody, just you as an instrument to God. I want you to praise him. I want you to thank him right now. You can clap. You can pray. You can just worship. Just right now, just thank him for what he's done for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) This this is what it means. This is what it means. All the stuff that's been recorded in our story, all the mess-ups, all the things that happened, all the things that went down in our life, all the things we see in David's life, God doesn't deal with us hasn't dealt with us how we really deserve. It's called grace. And when he looks down today, if you're a part of the family of God, he sees Jesus. You're a representative. You're a mediator. Man, Why why are we so passionate in this church about making Jesus known, getting people into a relationship to come to know him, not just hear about him, but to know and intimately have a relationship and encounter with Jesus? Because we can't do it without him.